0: that can truly negotiate on your behalf, because there's incredible deals in new development right now.
1: Welcome to the John and Jonathan Sell NYC podcast, where experienced expert New York City real estate brokers John Gustasca and Jonathan Conlon break down what's happening in the market, what you need to know, whether you're a buyer, seller or agent, and their insight into the future with a little bit of fun along the way. Since August, Corcoran has been releasing weekly market stats, but what do they really mean? There's so much fluctuation that sometimes it's hard to know without zooming out a bit. Today, they'll share their expert analysis using data from summer, fall, and early winter 2020 and comparing it to the same times in 2019.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the John and Jonathan Cell NYC podcast. How are you, John?
0: Mr. Conlon, couldn't be better. Welcome back, everybody. Episode number 23.
2: So that means uh, we're, what, five months in at this point? Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. It's gone like that, man.
2: Yeah, it's... Uh, look at us, we're dressed for
0: success today.
2: We are, we're both ready. We are both
0: dressed for success. <laughs> and so why don't you tell everybody what we're gonna be so doing today?
2: Today we're going to, uh, we're, we're gonna do something a little bit different. Uh, we, we touched on it at the end of last week's episode. Uh, we wanted to compile some of the data that we've received from, uh, Corcoran has been sending out our weekly statistics since the end of August. And we've decided to just out of our own curiosity, and then hopefully for the education of our listeners, uh, talk about some different takes on and different uh, cumulative information, et cetera, about the statistics uh, since the end of August um, to kind of just give a snapshot in time this year versus last year and uh, in the different categories. And we will be posting some some of the graphs and such in the show notes. Uh, once they're refined and ready to go uh, and uh, I'm interested, I, you know, I was, me too. I, I was interested to see how this worked out. I would say overall, um, uh, nothing really super surprising. Um, but, uh, but all, but optimistic, you know, it, it leaves exactly. with an optimistic feeling.
0: And I think uh, just to jump in, I think too, that, given that Manhattan or New York City was the epicenter of COVID, and to have a, a, a major city lockdown, and then to come back onto, uh, come open the city the third week of June, and then, uh, but then really getting to the heart, uh, the nuts and bolts of data, the uh, August of 22nd, you know, because in the beginning we're like, well, what's gonna happen? Is anybody gonna want to buy Manhattan real estate? So for the listeners who are tuning into the podcast, this is concrete facts that you are going to be seeing, not only on the graphs, but then what we're gonna talk about. And I yeah. think it's telling.
2: Yeah. I think it's telling and
0: about the resiliency of Manhattan.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's, very, uh, it's, it's very interesting, You know, when we first started back at the end of June, June 22nd, we were able to get back out there, we were able to show apartments, and that's when the market started to move again. Um, since then, we've seen cumulatively the numbers are stronger this year than what they were last year. Now, a couple things to... But since, but since when?
0: Be really clear here for since the even,
2: audience. Since Over the last three months, basically, the last 14 weeks, which is the most pertinent data that we have, the most accurate data that we have, that's when Corcoran was starting to send out these weekly statistics. So, <clears throat> um, and I, I think it's valid. We were going to try to score to get back to like a j- early July, July 1st. But those first couple of months out, I mean, we saw it in our own business and saw it across the industry uh, where there wasn't a lot happening. So I think it makes sense to sort of leave those out anyways and also have this, uh, this rolling last three months of data, uh, 14 weeks of data, Going forward, because what we're really interested in getting to the heart of is the trend and what's happening. And I think three months worth of data is is enough to show that. Um, Now, sure, because because if you remember,
0: (laughs) what was it? Twenty five percent of the seller of the listings were taken off the market during the lockdown, and then when when the apartments started to come back on the market, until they filtered through the system and buyers started to surface to look at the properties. I think that August 22 onward is, a, is an accurate representation of what's, what's really happening, not only back then, but then what's continued to happen yeah. in our market uh, as we go through the end of the year. So, um, yeah, yes, well, the thing and,
2: that we have to keep in mind is that these are, uh, we're, we're, these are all based on asking prices. So when we talk about the categories of, and we tried to stay focused below a million, uh, a million to three, three million plus. So there we break it up in a couple bigger chunks. Uh, three million seems to be is always where uh, our Manhattan statisticians sort of break between the luxury and ultra luxury. Um, so we've, we've broken in that and looked at all three million plus to show what's going on in that category as a whole. Obviously, when you get to the 20 million plus, there's very few data points anyways. There's just very few apartments as a whole in Manhattan that fit into that category. Um, And they're subject to change. You know, these are just because something goes to contract doesn't necessarily mean in Manhattan that it's going to close, A. Um, B, we don't, it doesn't mean it's closing at the asking price. So a $3.1 million asking price on an apartment that maybe maybe it went to contract at two five maybe it went at two seven, but that would push it below that three million mark so it's all in flux a bit, and I think what we will add to this uh, as we as we go down the path here is we'll start to look at sold and closed numbers um, in this, in a similar thread, uh, similar category, so that we can kind of compare all right, this is what contracts signed look like, and this is what sold and closed look like. We can't do that now because the deals that were signed in August 22nd are probably just starting to close now because we have that gap of of time. So perhaps in a couple months time we start to add that to the mix and we compare with some sort of delay uh, contract signed uh, versus sold and closed numbers and see they should fall in line.
0: Okay. so So obviously you talked a little bit about the cumulative amounts of signed contracts, which is very, very clear on the first graph. And then I just want to dive into my graph, which is the four different areas. So obviously it's talking about the overall signed contracts, the green line versus the dashed green line of 2019. So the solid green line is 2020, solid yellow, solid red, solid blue, 2020. And then the dashed line is 2019. So if we look at the total amount of contracts, 2020 versus 2019, that's in green, and then we go down into the resale co-op, which is the yellow line, the resale condo, which is the red, and the resale, uh, I'm sorry, the new development, which is the blue, it shows you basically how many units of in each product type are trading. And we look at the trends again, and as you said, the trends are that 2020, yes, did it dip weekly or you know biweekly, um, 2020 to 2019, yes, but the overall since the, we're talking about this since the end of August, the overall number of contracts are up. However, you got to also look at the numbers of units that are that are going to contract, and you'll see that yes, albeit the overall numbers of Units are increased, have increased in 2020 versus 2019. Then you've got to look at the product types. So, resale co op, the most. So, the co ops are moving. Yeah, obviously, 70% of our market is co op. Um, and then the resale condo and the new development condo,
2: there's not as much new development condo that's trading. Am I reading that correctly, Mr. Conlon? Yeah, going to contract. And I find that a little disparaging. That's one of the yep. things seeing this graphically. Um, and seeing the, the low level of transactions being done in new developments, uh, you know, they're, they're gonna be in troubled waters a bit. I mean, it is similar to 2019, but their trouble started back in 2018, the beginning Correct. of 2018 when the market started to decline. That's because of the, the, the very high price points, that market in particular uh, started to be affected uh, very much so. And as it moved to a buyer's market, you know, one of the first things that happen is buyers like to walk through the space that they're going to buy. So there's a, the the brakes get pumped on those deals being done uh, off of floor plans or out of a sales office, and and that really slowed that. And we have a lot of developments that are still in that construction phase. So correct, I would expect and, that number to go up as the as the developers come back to reality in terms of bringing down the prices to where people want to. We'll we'll jump in. Um, And as the product continues to be completed, um, where where people can actually walk through the space and see what they're buying for multiple millions of dollars. And in this marketplace, the new development
0: is really progressed. So when I say that, (laughs) just as an aside for buyers who are interested in new development, it is first and foremost so important in new development to have, well, in all categories, to have a really, really qualified broker that can truly negotiate on your behalf because there's incredible deals in new development right now. But then also coming back to our maturity as as, uh, mature real estate brokers, as experienced experts in this real estate market that you've got to look at who's developing the property, what kind of deep pockets that they have in this market. What, one of the things that you really have to be cautious about is not jumping into a new development where this, it's this guy's first time project. I don't care, I'm telling you right now, don't danger Will Robinson. If you have somebody that's not, and, and
2: also how much of the building is sold, period. Yeah. So, uh, but We've had some, experience in both of those categories this year. Yes, we yeah. have. Yes, we have. So, so
0: um, again, uh, new development has a ways to go. Uh, Keep going though, bud.
2: So next we looked at, uh, uh, we broke down by price range a little bit. So as we've talked about the under $3 million category and even the lower categories than that under a million, et cetera, is always the engine of our market. You know, it's always the core business that continues to move. Um, It's, you have first time purchasers in there. You've got uh, young families in there, uh, et cetera, that, 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 that drive that train and and just affordability, you know. I mean, not that a three million dollar property is is uh, affordable for the masses, but it's more affordable for New Yorkers than a ten million dollar, a five million dollar apartment. So that's, as I said earlier, that's sort of the natural uh, a natural cutoff that we that we use in the business as uh, uh, as below and above three million. And again, this year showing that. 2020 is uh, the numbers overall are ahead. Um, And you can see that solid line, that solid blue line is in most weeks above where the dotted line is showing 2019 numbers.
0: Actually under 3
2: million, the
0: market peaked back in October. And if you look at the graph, it's very interesting how it's decreased the numbers of units under 3, 3 million and below. And I have a feeling that that really has to do with the influx of COVID. You see, they're the starting to uptick in our COVID graph and the, the concern as the weather's gotten colder and then in the broader country, uh, but the numbers have decreased. So, well, I but would again, say, yeah, it, it, it's an observation. I don't know. It,
2: the, yeah, the observation around the, the, the overall sort of arc of these graphs, they run very similar to 2019. Even peaking in the same weeks, which I find a little baffling, but uh, but interesting. You know, I think it's not only the resurgence of COVID that we're seeing and the numbers going up. It's also the approaching holidays and the colder weather. So because we didn't have COVID, obviously, in 2019. And it also trails off as we approach uh, the Thanksgiving holiday and the holidays just in general. So Um, So interesting that we're still, despite COVID, we have numbers above where we were in 2019, but the trends, the overall arches and the weeks going up and weeks going down is almost identical, Um, which does, again, leads me to an optimistic place that business is still happening and there's almost a normalcy that's like, it feels like, okay, well, the numbers are coming out normal as of as abnormal of a world that we're in right now. Uh, it's, it's really, uh, I guess, uh, enlightening and, and, uh, giving me optimism to see that these statistics themselves are actually this, like the same trend lines and such. So. I have two things to say. So number one, I agree
0: with you insofar as the data from the end of August. And then, unfortunately, we just don't have all the data from January 1 till now to be able to, we, we need to look at the year and our yearly numbers are going to be lower than in 2019. They simply yeah. are. We missed three yeah. months of data here, three months of, of work. Nevertheless, to your to your point, yes, it is it gives us as real estate brokers, a level of comfort that the market is moving. And then even as we talked about week in and week out on the, in the next graph above the 3 million mark and the 3 million goes 3 million, 5 million, 10 million, the bigger numbers that where we've seen a lag uh, per se, in terms of the numbers of units, uh, earlier uh, when the market opened, now not only has, Whereas if you look back to early October, last year's numbers were far surpassed this year's numbers of contract signs. Now our contract signs are, have really greatly improved in November. And um, even though it's seasonal, Jonathan, they're still now ahead of what's transpired in 2019. These are the bigger apartments. So we've seen, just like we've addressed, we've seen more contract signs being done on the, let's say the four five, Eight million, ten million dollar apartments. Uh, so, I, I again, I'm, I think people are jumping in and, on value, and they're buying the bigger, the bigger homes. No, and then, and then, same with Upper East and Upper West Side, the submarkets. Yeah. You know, if you look at the uh, the blue being the Upper East Side uh, versus the Upper West Side. Okay, so obviously, more real estate on the Upper East Side versus less real estate on the Upper West Side. So the, the numbers are higher on the upper east versus the upper west, yeah. but then you look at the data from last year, and the upper east side is is kicking butt yeah. in terms of the uh, yeah.
2: what was being done, and it's the upper west the side. West. You know, that's right. Yeah, I mean, there's that there's been one week. there's only one week on that graph that uh, that is the numbers were below what they were last year. Correct. So, Correct.
0: And then on the Upper West, there's been a little bit more fluctuation. But again, the Upper West side is uh, trending also much yeah. more robust, uh, more robustly than in 2019. So,
2: yeah, a little bit more erratic in the, the midtown and downtown markets, um, you know, a little bit more up and down and fluctuations. But similar story uh, overall, we're we're up in terms of, of twenty. 20 for over 2019, uh, I think just a little bit smaller gap there. Um, so again, certainly uh, uh, an optimistic tone uh, should should be taken on here, given all of the the struggles that we're facing these days. Definitely, so. <laughs> oh definitely, and um, and then you have here the
0: uh, the studios. Just to go into the uh, the actual uh, unit types, the studios uh, were. We, we break down the, the following charts on the studios, uh, the one bedrooms, uh, the two bedrooms, three bedrooms. And I mean, not to have to delve into all of these uh, graphs, but we do have, um, uh, you know, what's telling is actually on the smaller, the smaller apartments, I look back from the data from August and for uh, the beginning of our fall, the 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 studio units actually lagged last year, and I was thinking that because I we talked week in and week out about ninety percent of the units going into contract were under that three million mark, with a lot of them being under the million mark, and that's what I would say is being oh that would be the studio one bedroom market, but obviously I think uh, what's more telling would be the uh, the one bedrooms. So yeah. you know yeah. most of those most of those lower price ones were in those the one bedrooms, because the one bedrooms are, you know, you have the parents saying, hey, why would I buy a studio apartment for my kid if I can get the same, you know, a really, really good value on the one bedrooms? You yeah, know, I think that's, that's what I would surmise, you know?
2: Yeah, the other thing that I, that I took from it in regards to the the studios and one bedroom apartments not being as strong as uh, maybe the larger ones and the, and the two bedrooms um, is, you know if you think about the demographic or the 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 profile of the typical studio and small one bedroom purchaser it's a first time buyer which yes there's there's elements to uh that would push forward and say okay rates are phenomenally low it means more to somebody buying a half a million dollar or 350,000 dollar studio than it does somebody spending 2 million dollars on an apartment but it also is uh, they're, they're in a different frame of mind, that first purchaser. And it, they, they many times are putting a lot of eggs in that one basket and they don't have as diverse of a profile. So there, there's also a, a, a fear there to jump into the market. So I think that's, that's what I would equate those, those hmm. studios lagging a bit is because you have those people that are not as uh, long in the tooth and, and as diverse of a portfolio. And longer in their careers, there's a lot of uh, hesitancy and 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 feeling like, oh, like is my job in jeopardy? You know, these are people that are 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 you know maybe five years into their career and not 15 years into their career, whatever their respective career is, whether that's a law firm and they're you know at 10 15 years, uh, big attorneys become partners, and there's a lot of security in that in that title, um, uh, so. Uh, and, and so on and so forth, invest, investment bankers, you know, get bigger titles and more security with tenure at, at their respective firms, et cetera. And just a level of comfort to invest in, uh, in, a, in a purchase that may be in the grand scheme of things, the same relative percentage of their overall financial portfolio. But uh, when you're talking about you have $2 million and you're investing 500,000, it's very different than if you have, uh, you know, uh, five hundred thousand, and your your down payment is uh, is two hundred thousand of that. You know, there's a there's a there is a disparity there. So sure. that's kind sure. of what it said to me. Looking at these studios, where the 2019 numbers are actually higher in most cases, in most in more than half of the weeks, um, uh, over 2020. So, and we've seen that in our own business. You know, we've had some beautiful studios that have lagged on the market a little bit, um, and there's a hesitancy there. So, sure, sure. The only other thing that I would say
0: before we wrap up is the the final graph on the bigger apartments, and again, as we've talked about, you know, because there was a migration out of Manhattan. Uh, you know, a lot of families had picked up and either went to summer homes or looked at, at uh, weekender places or had made a decision to leave Manhattan. Uh, there was a, a bit of a lag in the beginning part, uh, like in August, September. But then we've again seen rise in the three-bedroom and the four-bedroom contracts. And mainly really here in the, uh, the you know, the, before Thanksgiving. And now, uh, whereas uh, we've seen a, a bit of a lag in the four bedroom area uh, coming into this last, uh, last month of the year, uh, the three bedroom units really robust over last year's data. So um, it goes to show we're not sure where the apartments are contracting, but the units continue to improve, uh, albeit there's some minor fluctuations overall coming at the end of this year, um, deals are being had. What do yeah. you what do you say to that? You know. Yeah, and I so? would
2: say uh, the disparity between asking price and contract signed prices should be closing at this point. Closing a little bit. So let's just say when we first came out of the gates in July. Uh, yeah, who knows? Right. That there's always that caveat. Uh, but we're longer in this in past the COVID shutdown time, sellers have come more in line with uh, uh, reality in terms of expectations on the purchase prices. So they've brought those down. And so the maybe people were getting in some cases, 10 to 15% off the asking prices right out of the gates. Now those prices have come down and the negotiability should have shrunk a little bit. And I'm only speaking generally because and we've seen it with our own sellers where we've brought prices down and then we negotiate much less than what we feel like we would have had to previously, Correct. Um, you know, yeah. a month ago or two months ago. So it'll be interesting when the sold and closed figures start to come in. The end of the year numbers will be very interesting to see. And and like you mentioned, the the over overall year, 2019 versus 2020, there's no way we're surpassing what happened in 2019 given our shutdown. But... Uh, but it 'll be fun to play those numbers against one another um, and, uh, and and see what they see what that tells us so listen, hopefully everybody got something out of today we got We crunched the numbers a little different. We will have the graphs up in the show notes. The only thing that i 'm
0: saying is that the one thing I wanted to have one last bit is yeah. that the contracts increasing tell us not only that there's deals being done, but that the sellers have become much more realistic in their pricing. Because like you said, otherwise there would not be the deals happening. They'd be holding up here on price and the buyers would be down here, but sellers are becoming more realistic. That's it. Otherwise you were 150%. I thought you did a great wrap up.
2: Optimism is is there in this market. The statistics show that. Because if you think about all the challenges that we've had this year, and continue to have to see the level that we're at the numbers that where we're at um you know i know every broker including ourselves feels like we always want to do more business we always want to you know it's 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 a very challenging business right now because every deal that we put together seems a momentous task a monumental task um and uh but they're happening overall and that's what we need to stay focused on and we're hoping that that will only continue, you know, but we shall see. John, as always, great to see you. I got to run to an appointment as I know you do. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. Be healthy, safe, and most of all, stay in gratitude. And we will see you next week. Stay safe and
1: Thank you for healthy. watching. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for watching or listening to the John and Jonathan Cell NYC podcast. If you want to find us online or sign up to get our monthly and quarterly market stats, come on over to our website, johnandjonathancellnyc.com, or find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and everywhere else with the handle at johnandjonathancellnyc. And if you want to grab the show notes, go to johnandjonathancellnyc.com slash podcast. If this show was entertaining, helpful, or informative, consider telling friends or family or leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Those are some of the best ways of supporting our efforts, and we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you again for tuning in. We can't wait to share what's coming up next. So subscribe to the podcast to make sure you don't miss our next episode, and we'll see you next time.